Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Have you found Romans chapter 6 yet? If you haven't yet, just close your Bible and look on with somebody else. If you haven't found it yet, you probably won't find it. Romans chapter six, glory to God. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The last part of that fourth verse has just been turning over on the inside of me now for days. Do you know what I'm talking about when I mention that? Sometimes a scripture will just rise up, maybe a portion of scripture, and and it'll just be in your spirit. And it's just sort of there, sort of uh, percolating, you know, and resonating on the inside of you. God's trying to get something across to you. He's wanting you to see something. And so every time your mind goes some other things and you look to the inside, there's that, that scripture again, and you just meditate on it and feed on it. Amen. Well, this is Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate and recognize, you know, uh, officially, you know, once a year because Jesus was raised from the dead this time of the year, you know. And, uh, and so the church from the very beginning of the church has celebrated uh, Easter and has celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Of course, we know as believers, we celebrate his resurrection every day. Amen, because he was, the Bible says he died unto sin once and for all, but then that he lives, he lives unto God, and he said then consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive unto God. That's a 24-7, 365 day of the, of the week, uh, all, ongoing, all the time, all waking minutes and hours, consciousness that we've been raised to new life. Glory to God. We're not what we used to be. We're not where we used to be. We're not limited by what we were limited by. We're not limited to what our family had or what our relatives had or what our friends know, glory to God. We've been brought into perfect liberty through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was raised up, he raised us up with him to live in his liberty. Amen. Now this phrase here, this last part of this verse, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now we have newness of life. If you're born again, and if you're not born again, by the end of the service today, we're gonna give you an opportunity to join join this illustrious company of born again people. But... If you're born again, you know there's a new life on the inside. That's one, that's one thing that when it comes to, to, when Christ comes to live on the inside, you know it. 
It's not just a, it's not just a religious persuasion. It's not just a conversion from one way of thinking to another way of thinking. It's a divine personality who comes to live on the inside of you and you're conscious of it. Amen? You might not be able to explain it, but you're conscious of it. This scripture says that we also should walk in newness of life. It's one thing to have newness of life. It's another thing to walk in newness of life. It matters how we walk. Amen. It doesn't just matter to God, and it does. It doesn't just matter to uh, walking in a way that pleases God, and it does, but it also matters in our own life. The quality, you know, people today talk about the quality of life. Somebody had, you know, some kind of surgery. Well, they're alive, but they don't have quality of life. God wants us to have quality of life. In order to have quality of life, we, as a Christian, we have to walk in newness of life. And like I said, when you, when you first receive the Lord, there's a knowledge that something has happened to you that you might not fully be able to explain and your flesh doesn't always go along with it. Your, your natural, how many of you understand the, the basic fact that when you were born again, it was the man on the inside who was born again. The man on the outside uh, didn't receive a change. Amen. And you might have uh, felt like you were floating on, on, on clouds, you know, for a few days, but then eventually your, fa- your, your flesh rises up and reasserts itself. Isn't that right? Amen. Some of you have, have heard my story how, you know, when I was uh, a backslidden young man, how, uh, you know, I had, uh, the Lord had enabled me. I didn't know it was the Lord at the time, but I was living, my wife and I and our uh, two-year-old son, almost two-year-old at the time, was living in Jacksonville, uh, our oldest son, Steve. And, uh, you know, I was living a very uh, ungodly life. I had been raised as a Christian, but I was backslidden, terribly backslidden, and uh, doing everything I could intentionally to separate myself from my Christian heritage. And... uh, You know, the, the, I, was not, I was not hanging around with a good group of people. Nobody in my company of friends and, and uh, associates, other than people I, I worked with, you know, for a few hours a day, but the people I hung out with, nobody was a Christian or a believer, had ever been saved. And uh, the Lord had to get me out of that environment for a few weeks for, for him to do what he wanted to do in my life. And so I worked for the telephone company. I worked for a company called Western Electric. And back then the bell system, you know, uh, was a monopoly. And the bell system was comprised of AT&T. And then they had subsidiaries, uh, other uh, local regional com- companies around the country, Bell, you know, in our part of the country, it was Southern Bell. It was Midwestern Bell. It was, you know, uh, northeastern Bell, different parts of the country. Those were the local uh, telephone companies. AT&T was the, was the research uh, uh, conglomerate over all of it. And then there was another company called Western Electric. Now, Western Electric made all of the telephone gear. Remember the old heavy phones, you know, the big old desk sets, you know, you pay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm old, but I'm not old enough to remember those on the wall, you know. <laughs> 
But uh, I remember the big old heavy desk sets, you know, the telephones, you pick them up, look on the bottom, it said Western Electric. Western Electric manufactured all of that. We also, our company manufactured all of the switch gear in all of the telephone offices, big tall telephone buildings and then the smaller ones around town. I was in the division of installation. So it was, it was our division of the company that we installed all of that switch gear for the local telephone offices. We would go into the telephone offices, Southern Bell offices, and we would install all of the equipment that worked in the in the, what they called the central office. And uh, they, our company would move us around every now and then where, uh, because population expansion, you know, would require more telephone equipment, you know, in one area. And so we, installers would have to be moved. So they would move us around. I was based in Jacksonville, but I traveled every now and then. I got, suddenly was, was uh, transferred to Dunellen, Florida. I'd never heard of Dunellen, never been there in a little tiny town, you know. So I was transferred to Dunellen, Florida. And I think this was like towards the end of July, 1972. And, uh, you know, I, I, I felt very out of place there, a little small town. I'd been, you know, been raised in, in, in the city. And uh, I was there and I worked there just for a couple of weeks and they transferred me from there to Brooksville, Florida, a little bit further south, about 60 miles north of Tampa. And uh, so I was in Brooksville. Now, before I left Jacksonville, I had become sort of a, what I call a small time uh, drug dealer. And what I mean by that is I dealt drugs very limitedly because I was uh, very cautious, you know, of selling to people I didn't know. So I mostly sold to my friends, kept my friends supplied, you know, with, with drugs and, uh, you know, small time operation. And I, you know, I was a drug user and, and, uh, and so I got transferred to Dunellen and then to Brooksville and a man, another man from Jacksonville, I didn't know him at the time, he was transferred there and so he and I uh, stayed and shared a, a motel room. And uh, we, we entered into a little drug partnership when we started selling drugs in Brooksville. And it's dangerous to sell drugs when you're from out of town because you don't know anybody. You don't know who, you, you know. And uh, this was a black man. And so we, we, we put together this real, this real cool scheme for me I, he didn't have access to the drugs that I had access to. And so I got the drugs and he did the selling. We'd go into, he, we'd go into the black neighborhoods and, you know, I couldn't sell. I mean, I'd, I mean, I stand out a little bit, you know. And, uh, and so he would go into the neighborhoods and the streets, you know, and sell, and sell the drugs. I'd supply the drugs. We split the, the profit. It was a small-time business. We just did it after hours, you know. And, uh, I mean, we both worked for the phone company, you know. This was just something to do for fun, you know. And, uh, well, it wasn't very long. He got trans transferred back to Jacksonville, and I'm left by myself. So I moved into a, another motel, a smaller motel, and got a smaller room. And uh, I didn't know it, but this motel, this motel was on a different street, but the police station was directly behind this, this motel. And I didn't realize it. The police station was on kind of a side street, and this was on one of the, one of the main drags, you know. And so I checked into my, this was one of those old-fashioned motel, it was a motor court. You understand what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, motel room was, was square, and in the back corner, you know, was the bathroom. You went in the bathroom, there was a window over the sink. And I opened the window, and the, I guess they'd call it their, their holding cell. It looked like a jail to me. I look out the window, and there's right across the fence, there's a, there's a window, and it's got bars in it. And I realized, wait a minute, where am I at? 
So I realized that I was, I was right across the fence from the police station. And that made me nervous. <laughs> you know, whenever you're selling drugs, you're carrying drugs, every police car you see, you just know they, they know about you. <laughs> I don't care if you're driving downtown. Oh, yeah, he knows he's coming after me, you know. And, that, you know, that made me real nervous. And, uh, and so I, I kind of curtailed my activity. And during that time, uh, I don't know, the Lord knew what he was doing. He was setting me up. I turned on the television in boredom. Now, I would, I would leave Jacksonville on Monday morning real early in my little Volkswagen Beetle, and I'd have, the, I'd have that pedal to the floor the whole way, just going as fast as that little bug would go, and I'd come screeching into that parking lot, the phone company, right at 7.30, jump out and just get right in, and you know, time to go to work. I did that every Monday. And then on, I'd stay thir- three, four nights, and then on Friday afternoon, 4.15, I'd hit the trail, hightail back to Jacksonville, and then I'd spend the weekend partying, you know, and uh, do the same thing over the next, next Monday morning. Well, you know, I'm, I'm in this motel room, and I'm bored. And so I turned on the television, and Billy Graham was preaching. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll, there's nothing else to watch. I'll watch this. You know the rest of the story. <laughs> I mean, God got a hold of me. I went to the drawer, the, the little bed stand, you know, and found a Gideon Bible and started reading that and following along. And God got a hold of me. I mean, I had an encounter with the raised, resurrected, living Lord Jesus Christ. And I mean, I, my whole life got re, rearranged, just reshuffled everything. My outlook changed. I, I mean, I, I, I was there a few weeks and I got transferred back sometime, you know, the end of September, I think. I don't know for sure, or for early October. And uh, I was a different person. Amen. God got me out of that environment that I was in because the environment that I was in was not helpful. I, like I said, I didn't have any Christian friends. And so I'm, I'm in a bad environment. God got me out of that and set me free. Hallelujah. But you know, I, I, I still, now I wasn't going to church. For one thing, I was out of town, you know, most of the time. But even when I got back, I, I was turned off uh, to church. I thought church was full of, of hypocrites and I was determined I'm gonna live for God. I'm gonna be a Christian, but I'm not gonna be a hypocrite. So I'm not gonna go to church and be around them. You know, it never occurred to me, I went to the supermarket and there were hypocrites in there. <laughs> that didn't bother me, but anyway. Uh, I wasn't going to church, but so I'm still, I get back to Jacksonville and, 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 I, and my social life was with all these hippies that I lived with. My friends said we were all hippies. Excluding, Excluding my wife. She didn't, she was, uh, she didn't participate in this stuff. And... Uh, Somebody had to be an adult in our house. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, my, my, you understand, I hadn't been going, I hadn't gone to church. I had not read one Christian book. All I had was my Bible. After I got t- turned on, you know, to, to Jesus and, and I went home and found my old Schofield reference Bible that my, my mother gave me when I graduated from high school and I dug that out and I, and I, I did have the notes 
that were in that Schofield Reference Bible, so I was reading those. But I, I didn't even know there were Christian books. I didn't know people wrote books about how to live the Christian life. It never occurred to me. I had my Bible. There were some notes in there, you know, from Dr. Schofield. And that's all I had. My, my revelation of Jesus, Jesus was still a hippie Jesus. If anybody knows what I mean by that. In other words, love one another. You understand? Love one another and, uh, 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 you know, live in peace. Blessed are the peacemakers that fit right in with my groove, you know. And uh, so my, my revelation with Jesus, I loved him with all of my heart, but he was still a hippie Jesus. And so, I, you know, my friends, those, those were my only friends. And so I still hung around with my friends. And they were cool with, with me having a hippie Jesus, you know, that's cool. Uh, but there was no, they didn't understand and I didn't really understand it like I should have that when Jesus comes into your life, he's not a hippie. He is God. And he intends that you change from your behavior. Well, you know, this, this rocked on a few weeks and in November of that year, uh, I went to a rock concert with my friends. It was uh, actually, it was, it was Steve's second birthday. It was November the 24th. And, and Angela didn't go, characteristically of her. So I went with my friends to an Elton John concert in Jacksonville. And so we're in the auditorium. It was a sold out house, 10,000 plus people there, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Elton John had just come out that summer with, with uh, uh, Honky Cat. Was that a song? Uh, what was that? Uh, anyway, that, that, that album that came out, and that was real popular. So, you know, Elton John, he's put, he puts on a fabulous show. I mean, you talk about an entertainer. You know, he's all, got all of his costumes on, you know, and everything, and in fact, that was the first place I had ever seen anybody. You know how in concerts people light their little lighter or the little uh, LED thing on their key fob, you know? Back, but back then it was matches. Everybody struck a match. I guess the fire marshal put in a stop to that, you know? <laughs> but everybody in the entire, it started spreading all around and people are lighting. I thought, well, that's cool, you know? So anyway, I'm just kind of giving you some detail here, feeling, setting the scene. I'm setting the scene here. I'm sitting in this concert and of course, you know, I mean, pretty quickly, marijuana starts passing up and down the rows of seats, you know, because that's what we did. You know, you just smoke a joint and pass it to the next guy, you know, and uh, live and let live, share, you know. I felt, well, that's my hippie Jesus. That's what he would do, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I'm about halfway through that concert and I, 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 I began to get real uncomfortable because it occurred to me I'm, I'm in a, a building with 10,000 likely unsaved people. What am I doing here? Listening to music that doesn't exalt Christ, exalts an ungodly lifestyle, I, I'm, and I'm with these friends, but they're only friends I had. And have any other, I, I didn't have any Christian friends. I had some old Christian friends, but you know, from years before. But I hadn't talked to them in years. These were my buds, you know. And it suddenly occurred to me that you're in the wrong place, son. You have no business being here. You have been saved. 
You are a child of God. And now I, I, I thought about, because I, I had been reading about the return of the Lord. Now, I wasn't fearful that the Lord was coming that night. That wasn't it. I wasn't thinking, you know, he's going to come, you know. But I was thinking, now, what if the Lord came on the day he comes? Do I really want to be in a rock concert with unsaved people to my left? What does it say? Clowns to the left of me, fools to the right. <laughs> Jokers to the right, something. Is, is that the company that I want to be in? And the answer on the inside of me was no. I had a new life. I had something new on the inside and it separated me. Whether I liked it or not, it separated me from the world. Now, I, I didn't mean that in a judgmental way. In my heart, I realized I had been taken out of that life and I had a new life on the inside of me and, there was, and I was fundamentally changed. It wasn't a persuasion. It wasn't a philosophy. I, I still, now, I loved my friends. I had some very close, some very dear friends. Well, you know the story. Angela got pregnant when we were in high school, you know, in, in February and, and we got married in May of my senior year of high school and she was a junior in, in high school. And my best friend mocked me. Good, I mean, he was joking around. But he, and I remember in the locker room one day, he's laughing at me, you, you terrible guy, you so-and-so, you got that little girl pregnant, what's wrong with you? Shame on you, mocking me. Well, it wasn't about a year later and he did the same thing. <laughs> so... His girlfriend dropped out of college and they got married. And so he and his wife and Angela and I, you know, because we were the only ones in our age group that had children, we both had babies, you know. And so they were our best friends. Did everything together with them, you know. And, you know, because we related to, you know, the stage of life we were in. I loved them and I loved the rest of my friends. It wasn't a, that I felt like I was better. I knew, but by the grace of God, I'd still be in that. But my point was, I had, something had fundamentally changed in me. I was not the same person I used to be and I could not pretend like I was the same person. I just wasn't. I couldn't enjoy. I still loved them. I still was friendly. But hanging out and talking about the things they wanted to, it just didn't interest me anymore. And I remember that night, it was a real uh, sort of an epiphany. You, buddy, you are in the wrong place with the wrong company. Now, I'd only been back in the fellowship of the Lord, you know, seven or eight weeks. Just hadn't read any scriptures, hadn't heard it, hadn't had anybody preach to me. Something on the inside said, there's something new about you. This won't work anymore. Well, praise the Lord. Let me give you real quickly some scripture. Go with me to 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Now today is Easter Sunday, of course, and on Sunday nights, on, on Easter Sunday night, we don't have an evening service because we want everybody to go out and spend time with your family. We used to try to have Easter service, you know, Easter night, Sunday night, and uh, we, we determined after a while that was a waste of time because everybody spent all afternoon with their family and they come in and they were just, they were about as fleshly as that concert crowd I was with, you know, <laughs> not <laughs> sans the marijuana, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, so, so we don't have a service tonight 
and, and, and an unusual circumstance, this happens every now and then. Last Sunday night was our uh, spring fellowship, so we didn't have a Sunday night service. Don't get used to this. <laughs> Don't get used to it. It felt good Sunday night to my flesh after the Christmas, I mean, after the, the spring fellowship to go back home and it was seven or eight o'clock. You know, that felt pretty good to my flesh, but this feels better to my spirit. Amen. So we're going to do this again this Sunday night, but next Sunday night we're back here, okay? Amen. Don't get used to it. Amen. Have you found 1 Peter, the fourth chapter? Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. If you're going to live this resurrected life, you're going to have to do something with your mind. You're going to have to arm yourself with your mind. You know, over in Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul talked about uh, don't let your, your members be instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but let your, let your members be instruments of righteousness unto God. There, I don't know if it's a margin of my Bible. I read it somewhere else, but the Greek word there for, for uh, this is Romans chapter six, uh, that word for instrument means, it literally says a weapon. Our, he's saying, let your, your, your flesh, your body, become a weapon for righteousness. Well, that's what he's talking about here. Arm yourself with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer, no longer, no longer, no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime. Can anybody give me an amen there? Amen. We've spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Did you imagine having this as an Easter message? I won't ask for a show of hands. How many people relate to the last part of verse three? In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation and they'll even speak evil of you. They think it strange to the unrenewed mind, it is strange. But when you arm yourself with the mind of the scriptures, the mind of God, and that's what the spirit of God was trying to reveal to me and was revealing to me. He was, he was, he was educating me. He was helping me renew my mind. You're with the wrong company. You're with the wrong people. You're in the wrong crowd. They don't, they don't approach life the way you approach. Now listen, it's still good to be missionaries. It's still good to have an outreach to your friends, but I, that's not what I was doing. I was hanging out with them. I was going where they went, enjoying the things that they enjoyed, doing what they did with my, with my uh, watered-down hippie version of Jesus. But you know, sooner or later, as a child of God, you're gonna have to grow up. 
Amen. You're going to have to grow up and make a decision. There comes a crisis time in our spiritual walk with God when we have to face a choice. Am I going to live a separated Christ-like life and identify with my Savior or am I going to give in to this world and continue to live in a way that will make my friends happy and make me fit in with people? If you want to fit in with this world, you're not going to fit in with God. Just the truth. There comes a time, like I said, where you have to face a choice. If you're going to grow, if you're going to grow. Now, if you don't want to grow, if you want to stay a baby Christian, you can continue to play around and miss out on the real life. But if you're going to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give, you have to identify with that life and be all in. Be all in, all in, all in. And, and I didn't, I wasn't going to church because I didn't think I needed it. But you know, the Lord dealt with me about that too. He said, you belong in a local church with, with other believers. I said, Lord, I don't like those people. I don't like them. And essentially, he said, trust me, you will. Because 1 John says, he that is begotten of God loves those who are also begotten of God. I started going back to this Pentecostal church that I had gone to when I was younger. I mean, this southern sort of redneck, if you can say it that way, just you know, southern, you know, conservative, full gospel church. And you talk, I stood out there as bad as I would have stood out trying to sell drugs in Brooksville. <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, I thought, man, I, what am I doing here? I'm in, I am in the squarest place in town. <laughs> but immediately, I'm talking immediately, the very first Sunday there, that's what I thought when I walked in. By the time I walked out the door that very first Sunday morning, I thought, I know they're kind of square and they dress straight and all that stuff. You know, because I had long hair on my shoulders, you know, and wore Galilean gliders and shoes and <laughs> bell-bottom pants with patches and, you know, had big old peace thing hanging around my neck, you know, flowers in my hair and all kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I won't tell them about the belt buckle. I was <laughs> had a leather belt that had marijuana leaves embossed all the way around it. You know, <laughs> I stood out. <laughs> but that very first Sunday, by the time that service is over, I, I thought to myself, "I like these people. They're not half bad." What was that love of God on the inside of me? So the love of God, you know, your family, you might think your family's kind of weird, but you still love them. You know what I'm talking about? They're still your family. There was something that, that, that resonated on the inside of me. I'm with family. I don't understand them, but I'm with family. How did I get off on that? Where am I at? Where am I at anyway? What scripture was I looking at? First Peter, well, let's go on from there. Praise the Lord. I have three other points and I'm running out of time. You, you, we were raised to new life. You can't live and run with the crowd you used to run with. 
Amen. Why? Because something's happened on the inside. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I meant to say. 2 Corinthians, but the fifth chapter. Amen. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, that's that's Pauline code for you're born again, you're saved. When you get saved, you are placed into Christ. You are joined to Christ. You are one with Christ. So you see that expression in Paul's epistles, right? Being in Christ. If, if any man, that, in, that applied to me. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I love that. A new creation. One translation, one old translation I read, it said he is a new species of being. Another one said he is the work of a new creation. In other words, when you got born again, there was a creative act that took place just as sure, just as definite, just as miraculous, just as eventful, just as fundamental as when God took the dirt of the, of the soil of the ground and formed Adam and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. I mean something that that precise and definite happened on the inside of you when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God created a new man. Woo, glory to God. You are the work of a new creation. You're, when, you get, when you got born again, you became someone and something that had never existed where you were concerned. A brand new person. Oh, glory to God. That's why, that's why I couldn't fit in anywhere around me. I was a new creation and I'm hanging out with dead people. I'm alive and I'm hanging out with dead people. Sorry, Brother Green, but the mortuary's no place to spend the night. Isn't that right? It's no place to spend the night. You, you got nothing, you've got nothing in common. They're dead. And you are very much alive. And that's what, that's what occurred to me that night. I'm alive. And I have, a, I have something in me that's different. What was that? Was a new, I was a new creation in Christ. Glory to God. What does the rest of that verse say? Old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. That means they're gone. It means they're over. It means you can't go back to them. They're, what do we say when somebody dies? We don't like to say, well, you heard about Fred, he's dead. Because you know, we, like we like to dress it up a little bit, you know. And so we say, well, you know, heard about Fred, he passed away. He passed away. Well, that just means he's dead. All right? He's gone. He's passed away. Old things passed away away bless their hearts they're gone you can't get them back you can't live in the past you can't live the old life you can't fellowship Paul says what fellowship does light have with darkness none old things have passed away 
you, you, everything about your old life, when you surrendered it, you might, I didn't realize it. I didn't know. I didn't know when I, when I, there in Brooksville, sitting in there on the side of the bed with my Bible, tears running down my face, Billy Graham preaching, you know, in the, in the choir singing, and George Shea, you know, whatever his name, George, what was his name? Beverly Say, you know, singing just as I am, tears running. I didn't know old things had passed away. Everything about my past life outside of Christ evaporated. It passed away. It disappeared. God, I, what happened, I found out later, several months later reading the Bible, that night I surrendered to the cross and my old man was nailed to the cross, was crucified and died and I passed away and in the place of that old man, God took and just formed and recreated. Not, he, didn't, he didn't renovate the old. The old was gone. He didn't take any of the old parts. He didn't take any of the old substance. He didn't use anything from the old man. He created a brand new person straight from heaven. Glory to God. Right on the inside of me. That means my connection to the past is over. Now, you see, my mind was still connected to the past. My flesh was still connected with the past. I still could remember the places I went, the things I did, the people I hung out with, the things I enjoyed. I still could relate to those things up here and I had memory of those things, but a few months went by over in the end of the new year as I started going to church in 1973 and started getting my eyes open more and more. I found out that I had become a new creature in Christ and there was no connection at all between the new man and the old man. There was no connection. They weren't related. They didn't have anything in common. One didn't morph into the other or was changed or anything like that. The old man simply passed away. He was gone and there was no connection to him and a new man had come to live in this flesh. Glory to God. In this body. I looked the same to people who saw me but on the inside it was a new person living in this house. Glory to God. The old inhabitant had moved out and had actually died and a new man had lived on the inside. You know you 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 have if you've ever lived in a house that somebody else lives in you know what when they're gone they're gone you don't ar you don't arrange the furniture with this in, with them in mind at all you don't well that's not the way we did it well who cares you're gone it's my house now this is how I live in my house well I don't like the picture over there well who cares you don't live here anymore it's not your house anymore this house went under a, 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 a new ownership praise God I had to rearrange some pictures on the wall because <laughs> the house was the same. The old man left. He didn't take his bags with him. He left his baggage there. He left his furniture there. And I began to realize, mm, no, I don't like the way this house is decorated. Elton John doesn't look good in this house. I never have been able to understand. I guess I do understand it because I've been tempted. I've been tempted in all of these years. All of, how many years is that? 47, something like, I don't know. 46 years. I've been tempted a few times. 
you know, I still like the, the sound and the, and the style of, of music, you know, of my youth. You know, a song will play on TV and I'll say, oh man, I, like, I remember that song. Every now and then, I mean two or three times probably, two or three times, I've been tempted to go to a concert of one of those old groups. You know, like go to, go to, an old, go to a Rolling Stones concert, you know. I know some Christian friends and some preachers that told me, yeah, I, I went to a Rolling Stones concert. It was a blast. I'm thinking, I, I remember what happened in the Elton John concert. I'm thinking, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to live, I'm not going to hang out with that crowd because we're a lot closer to the return of the Lord now than we were then. He might come back that night. I don't want to be there if he comes back. <laughs> I, it, just, it just amazes me that Christians can go and, and be entertained with the, with the ungodliness of the world. I'm not preaching a, a, a clothesline message today. This is, this is not a, you know, don't do this and don't do that. I'm just talking about living out of the new life that's on the inside. If you're aware of who you are on the inside, you don't want those old pictures hanging around. You don't want those sounds hanging around. You don't want that, you don't want to, you don't want to go back to that life anymore. Because the Holy Ghost is the decorator now. The Holy Spirit's putting his things up in my house, praise God. And, and, and they're not just entertaining to the flesh, they are eternally entertaining. <laughs> I mean, oh my, my, my. The things that the Spirit does on the inside of you will last for eternity. Oh, hallelujah. I better hurry. Any man is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things concerning this new creation have been made new. I tell you what, I could, I could go on, but I want to just stay on this a little, bit, a little bit longer. Too many Christians struggle with the past. Regrets, condemnation, memory of things that they did. Old things have passed away they're dead they're gone well I had an abortion it's dead and gone that person if you've been born again that person has gone to the cross and, ha and a new person has come up in its place you have no connection yeah, well, I, I did this. I committed adultery. I, you know, I, I did some other terrible thing or I lived in a certain way. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Well, I was mistreated. No, you weren't. You've never been mistreated in Christ. You've never been mistreated in Christ. Only things ever happened to you in Christ is he has loved you, he has understood you, he has been merciful with you and to you, he has given you grace after grace after grace after grace. Glory to God. Yeah, but somebody said so and so. Who cares? 
You're a new creature in Christ. Live out of the man on the inside. It's your flesh that gets hurt. I said it's your flesh that gets hurt when people do you wrong. It's your flesh. Don't respond to it. Live out of the new man. Live out of the new man on the inside. They can't touch the new man. They can't sin against the new man. They can't hurt the new man. They can't offend the new man. Offense is all flesh. I'm gonna say that three times. Offense is all flesh. Offense is all flesh. It's 100% flesh. Yeah, but they, but they were wrong. Flesh. Yeah, but they shouldn't flesh. Yeah, but it, but it hurt my flesh. <laughs> Amen. You live out of here, nothing touches you. Amen. Oh, glory to God. The Bible says if, if you're in Christ, you're in him, you're in Christ, and Christ is in God, you're wrapped up in a cocoon. If you live out of the inward man, nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. Oh, hallelujah. Something, if you start feeling the effect of something, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Amen. You're looking at the wrong pictures. Well, praise the Lord. I had a lady come to me one time. Well, this will take me to the next point, but I won't fully make it. I'll just tell the story. I had a lady come to me one time. She was in her 60s. And she said, Pastor, have a real problem. I said, you do? She said, yep, I hate my mother. Now, she was in her six. Her mother was dead. I hate my mother. I said, well, you do? Why do you hate your mother? Pastor, you don't understand. My mother was so mean to me growing up. And then she told me, and I've forgotten the details, you know, the, all these things that her mother did to her. And, and she, she said, I hate her. She said, I know as a Christian I'm not supposed to hate people, but I hate my mother. I said, no, you don't hate your mother. It's flesh and the unrenewed mind that you're still holding on to that you won't let that go because the new man in Christ, and this is one of my other points I didn't get to this morning, that when you're born again, you receive a new nature. Glory to God. It's just not, not just a new creation. That new creation has a new nature and th- there's a new love on the inside. The Bible says the love of God is poured out in our inward man by the Holy Spirit. I said, the fact of the matter is you love your mother. Oh, I don't think so, Pastor. I said, yeah, you do. I'm talking about you, the person on the inside. You love your mother. I said, you're letting your memories and your thoughts of something that passed away. I said, you, what happened to you when you were growing up with your mother, that's all part of that man that passed away. And you keep letting the devil resurrect him. You keep letting the devil bring those thoughts back to you. I said, what I want you to do is I want you to take my hand right now. We're gonna pray a one-time prayer. One time, we're never praying this again. And I said, we're gonna, we're gonna forgive. You're gonna forgive your mother. And that's gonna be the end of it. You're gonna let it go. And you're, 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 from now on, every time you think about her and the past, you're gonna think, I've forgiven her and I love my mother. Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and he has poured the love of God out on the inside of you. And if you will, you have to believe the truth for it to work for you. You can't sign in with the, with the flesh and the old life and expect the new life to have precedent in your life, to dominate your life. 
Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you. That means the past will not have dominion over you. That means memories will not have the dominion over you. So I prayed with her. I talked with her for a little while and got her grounded, gave, gave her some more scripture. And so we took hands, you know, and, and, and we prayed. And she said, I said, now look at your watch. Make note of the date and the time. She did. She, on this date, she named the date. And at this time of the day, she called it out. She said, I forgive my mother as an act of faith. I said, now, you leave here today, you won't feel like it. You won't feel like any, you won't feel any different. You, the thought of your mother will come up and it'll be the same old thoughts. You'll feel the same old things. I said, don't yield to them. Instead, when that happens, just say, nope. Yesterday, last week, three months ago, such and such a date, such and such a time, pastor and I prayed and we agreed together. I forgave my mother and my mother. Why did I say mother? I started to say mother-in-law. <laughs> Somebody needed that, I guess. My mother, I forgive my mother and I love my mother. I love my mother. I said, you start doing that and I said, it won't be long. You'll get in the habit of doing that. I said, it won't be very long. One day you'll, you'll realize when you think about your mother, oh, I don't even feel bad towards my mother. I don't even think those thoughts. It wasn't just a few weeks. She came, she met me at, at church. She said, pastor, guess what? I love my mother. I said, you do? She said, yeah, I do. She didn't know what she was doing. She said she didn't mean that. She said, I love my mother. What happened? She had to, she had to uh, act on the truth that old things were passed away and all things had become new. And, and she, had to, she had to act on the love that was on the inside. She had to act out of the new life. So it's one thing to be given new life. It's another thing to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.